Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah? yeah. Everything okay? Great, yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Nothing <laughs> to worry about too much. So, um, busy year for you. Coffee and Good Spirits champion. Very busy, yeah. You must love competition. So much. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but it's, much. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's two-sided, right? So it's really rewarding and it's amazing, especially when you yeah. get a lot from it. But uh, it's also loads of energy and resources. And Yeah, it's... Um, I know you're probably going to ask me this next, but it's this huge... You're, you're the front of a huge team and uh, people that source of Coffee Origin, Coffee Roasters, um, all the guys there that helped me out and Dan's coached me and Will and everyone else I've trained with. Uh, they've been superb and I think it's one of those things that you wouldn't be where you were if you didn't have other people to push you and it's a testament to everyone behind this, not just myself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, this coffee? You're yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see this amongst Origin from anyone else, right? This, there was, was there not a lot of this coffee? Uh, this, you yeah, got this one a, just for It's yourself. a limited amount. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's obviously uh, from Panama, and it's a geisha, so it's all, always going to be a such smaller lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a great lot, but uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not too common. And uh, you're a lover of the natural coffees? I love natural coffees. I think they're great. Uh, Funnily enough, we serve a lot of washed coffees, so it's always nice to <laughs> we always, it's always nice to have something different. And yeah. I love washed coffees too, but uh, it's just something think, about them. The, I think it's the fruitiness. It's that. Well, like, and the and the geishas can be unique, right? Because they can have all the fruit of a natural, but still be sort of aromatic and exactly, uh, yeah. not heavy and yeah. Yeah, and I think also there's a lot of florality in there, and but this one's slightly different, where it's more fruit-driven, um, which I like. I mean. Yeah. I did a lot of work with lavender before, and I can <laughs> hardly <laughs> look at it anymore. Uh, but, but no, it's good. It's and good. The, I think we chatted about this yesterday, but you were saying how different the signature drink element of a barista routine is to Coffee and Good Spirits. Yeah. Um, in Coffee and Good Spirits, it's very much, an, as I said, an ingredient, and it's something to go with the other things, whereas this time it is the thing, um, yeah. which is good, um, but it's just different. Let's say goodbye to Thank people. you very much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Thank you. Nice to hear. Cheers. Thank you. Pleasure as always. Cheers. Great. So we are going to get you to make some coffee now for the uh, group of people on the couch, and then yep. you're going to take the throne, and they're going to talk to you. No pressure. No, you've done the pressure. This, this is the nice, relaxed chat-chat bit now. The lion's den. <laughs> look at look at the it. worst bit. Look at these guys looking to rip me apart. <laughs> so um, what do you want to do? Are you going to make some espresso? Yeah, or? sure. Um, do you want me to turn this off? Oh, yeah, just unplug it. Oh, okay. I don't really know. That's what I've been doing. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is so coffee. Wait, did you work with this coffee? Um, so your role at Origin, what, what, what is it you do day to day? I'm just a barista. Just a bar just, well, I say just a barista. I'm not going to say just barista. That's I'm ideal a barista. For, this, for this competition. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but were you working with this coffee day to day, or just, uh, just no? This is this is a bit of a special lot um, that has only just arrived, which okay. is really nice to be able. It's one of the, as I said, it's one of the advantages of enter competitions. You have access to coffees that are not necessarily as commercial as other coffees. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a beautiful Finger Hartman on the natural 
beforehand, which is amazing, but it costs more and um, you don't sell as much, essentially. It's yep. not, um, so it's a treat. Yeah. Um, Were you worried about this coffee arriving in time? Uh, there was moments. <laughs> there was moments. Um, because when the competition happens, of course, has a has an impact on the coffees you choose. Or do you think that's changing now that coffee's holding up better over time? It's being stored better, processed better. I think that it is changing for sure. Um, I mean, we had a lot. Not I, I tasted a lot from uh, one of our old colleagues at Origin, and his coffee was past crop, and it tasted as good, if not better, than the current crop. That, okay. Once again, not orange coffees, but the coffee that's come in. Um, so, all in all. So you think the what was it about the fresh crop that you think it was that harvest wasn't as good, or you think that it needed to rest a little bit? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. With it's, I think one of the things we are kind of guilty of a lot is drawing conclusions from things we haven't tested well. Sure, I mean, sure. You probably think the well, same thing. Well, some of them, uh, some of them are impossible to test, unfortunately. Yeah, so like to, to gauge whether it's a good lot or not, I mean, you need more than the two lots that I tried sure, a year sure. apart from one another. Who wants? And there's five of you in two cups. <laughs> I'll put them like here. There we are. I know how much you love geishas. So. <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you take a seat, Paul, I'm going to leave you with. Uh, thank you. Leave you with the group. I'm going to pass this over to Steve. Uh, congratulations, Paul. Cheers. Thank you. Hi, Paul. Hello. Hi. <laughs> it looked, like, it looked like you were talking. Yeah. And I heard Jesse's voice. Is this um, yeah, go for it. Thank you. So, congratulations. That's uh, that's it's one as Maxwell was saying to you. It's one hell of a year with coffee and good spirits and um, Budapest, and then yeah. um, this again making finals is fantastic. I mean, do you have time to do anything apart from prep for competition? Um, it would appear not. <laughs> Who needs a social life, right? Exactly. Um, I don't know if you, you won't have heard, but out here we were talking earlier about the um, progression of the barista, um, you know, kind of like, you know, progressing careers. Yeah. And I, I think yours is quite... In, you used to work at Harrison Hall, is that right? I did, yeah. Yes, yeah. So that was, I mean... Uh, I mean, Harrison Hall was a super exciting place to work at that time, and I remember so many of the baristas coming through. Uh, Jesse, didn't you work at Harrison Hall too? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jesse opened our, my shop I worked in. Okay. <laughs> Go way back. So, um, and then you became, you kind of went and did some stuff on your own for a little while, didn't you, as well? Tell um, us a little bit about that. Interesting. True. Yeah, so I was at university, and um, I met one of the guys, um, the owner of Mozo Coffee, down in Southampton. Yep. And uh, I thought it was a great business guy, and I studied business, and I was like, fantastic. So I asked him for a job, and he said no. Um, so I sort of pestered him for a while, and uh, kind of ended up spending a couple of days a week there, and learning more about the business of coffee, which I find super interesting. But through just contact time, um, he said that like, you need to know something about coffee if you're going to be here. So I learned, I learned a bit there. And then a couple of years later, after I um, finished university and yeah, did my own things for a bit and worked for coffee one day a week. And then from then, it kind of snowballed. Uh, Harrison Hall's huge support. Um, Dennis, the trainer at the time, um, had a lot of time for us, which is superb. Um, 
and yeah, it was just a nice, it was a nice like community actually. It seemed and like an amazing time to be at that company yeah, at that time. Sure. It was, uh, there was, seemed to be so much going on. And now you're at Origin? Uh, now I'm at Origin, uh, yeah, so I'm a barista at Origin and it's fantastic. Um, which, store, which store are you working in? Uh, Charlotte Rose. Charlotte Road. So that was, a, that was kind of an interesting situation as well because I used to be a manager at Saint Espresso in Angel, and some may say, you know, in terms of hierarchy, it's a step back to go. I was a, I'm a part-time barista, and um, but the amount you learn and the people you meet, and I mean, Will and Dan, we, we all train together and push each other further, and I think that was an investment in myself and. I mean, it's I yet again that. another company where, you know, there's a great uh, ethos and a great group of people kind of all pushing in the same direction. It seems to me as if you're choosing these places to go more than it being luck and, uh, you know, you're ending up at these places where you've got good people around you. Well, yeah, I, I, the way I see it, I don't know whether it's the right philosophy or not, um, I see it as a long-term investment. So if you want a career in coffee, you can't really think about the next year I'm going to earn X amount of money and because realistic, it's like, much like coffee buying. You can't think about it year by year. You have to think about it, okay, in the next 10 years, what will set me up better to like, do better in 10 years or where I want to be? Um, and that's how I choose where I want to put myself. And I'm, for, I'm fortunate enough to be supported by Origin in that way. I think it's a nice perspective. Let's stay on Origin for a bit. I mean, Origin seems to be producing a very healthy run of successful baristas. I mean, is there something unique about that company which, in the way they encourage you guys to do it, or is it just by virtue of... I think... Lucky stuff. It's, it's, it's half, like, the people that are there and the owners and how they support, um, support us and with coffee and the coffee buyer buying great coffee, but also half the effort is your own. Yeah. And, and the brilliant thing about, I mentioned Dan and Will and all the other people that train in our training center is if you see someone working harder than you, you work harder. And next thing you know, you're doing all the time in the world, working hard, but it's also about working smart as well. I mean, well, it's so much easier to practice when you've got a group of people around you practicing at the same time. The motivation is they will yeah. help you, you will help them, and that just feeds into it, doesn't it? So yeah. uh, I can imagine it's a lot easier having that team uh, behind you. It's quite, it's quite, sorry to interrupt, it's quite funny because you end up learning each other's scripts. So uh, it's, it's just so funny. Then I was sitting next to Dan as Will was on and he was like, remember the rum, remember the rum. <laughs> and then he was like, yes. <laughs> and then it just moved on. So it's just... Do, do you think um, the company might start like um, assimilating that into a more structured idea maybe like a, a like a coffee barista competition school almost because often if it comes down to the individuals i mean it goes and ebbs and flows right and i think it comes down to culture i think that's what it comes down to the business culture is what they're good at creating and everyone is free to compete or not compete if they want to um all the baristas are great and they could compete but it's up it's up to them and it could it could go down a more structured route but i think you take out the the love of it a and bit you're, yeah. when you're sort of like commercializing that like passion it's I true guess. i mean i always enjoy coming to see you boys down at charlotte street it's always something's happening and the vibe's always super focused but kind yeah. of relaxed and i mean good on you man good thank on you man i appreciate it you're welcome um i've got a quick question about obviously you've had some great experience now with the coffee and good spirits competition yeah congratulations thank you how do you think it would affect your comp uh, barista competition routine if you were able to use alcohol in the signature drink? Um, as I said to Maxwell, it's, it's, 
largely the same competition, but very different. Some of the key fundamentals of you know, cleanliness and everything else that goes with that is fantastic, but alcohol and coffee are two very strong flavors, two very strong tastes, and they're, they're, although they share flavor notes and great sommeliers are great baristas and so on and so forth, but like, they're very different. And I, it'd be interesting to see, but espresso dominant alcoholic drink is very hard to achieve and to be pleasant. My, my first ever experience of MC in a coffee competition was Coffee in Good Spirits in Maastricht in 2011 <laughs> with uh, Stephen Morrissey, <laughs> with Steemo. And I, was, I, I didn't really think about it and I was trying all of the drinks and by the end of it was like, I, I love you. <laughs> it's, it's not a good, uh, the mix of coffee and booze yeah. together is, very easy to drink and uh, very easy to get drunk on. Yeah. So, the, the way too much Irish coffee. Worst one's cream. I was going to say, the wor it's just the cream. Because you take a sip, it's all cream. And you take another sip, then you get the Irish coffee. But you do that a few times in a row, you've just gone through litres of cream. Uh, as I proved. <laughs> you mentioned earlier um, finding a balance between working hard and working smart. Yeah. So in competition, uh, how important is that? It's... It's a super hard balance, and I get it wrong every time. Um, I'm all for putting in hours in, but you find yourself just like passing out, <laughs> and your head dropping, and you can't train properly. Will this week was like, Paul, go home. You're not doing anything. And I was like, I need to do my sick drink. <laughs> but it's true. It's, you need to be, to be sensible, and everyone works in their different ways. Uh, we had a big conversation about sort of planning, and the time scale between when you decide to compete to when you compete and when the coffee comes in and how do you like focus that all in but that's not the way I really do it as such because it's hard to if your coffee is delayed a week does that mean your plans delayed a week or do you are you able to do something different or it, it's, it's difficult. It, it's super interesting this year with the finals being so late in the year that we're, we are seeing some different coffees that we yeah. would normally see because normally we're January, February and we're yeah. still waiting for centrals to arrive and you know all of those things and, and it's going to be really interesting when we get to the finals to also see what happens there because I, I mean I think we could see a, a, a change in the kind of coffees that are being presented and hopefully the signature drinks as well you know we'll see some evolution of that. Yeah, it causes, I mean, it causes big problems, like to schedule that in and shipments are late and, or they're early, or like, you, you just, or, yeah, it's, it, it's something that's kind of beyond me. I, it's not my remit at Origin, but um, Josh did a great job, um, and the owners, obviously, It Tom, tastes, it tastes great. Hey, tell us a bit more about the sous vide thing. I mean, I've never, I haven't actually seen that before in coffee, but now that I think about it, the applications are pretty fucking broad. So this came, yeah. this came about because uh, the Dead Rabbit in New York did a, um, a takeover of one of the hotels in London. And where we were training for good spirits, we went out and tried it. And they were sous vide their coffee, so they brewed it, yeah. uh, sealed it, and sous vide it. And it tasted good. I mean, it, if you taste it on its own, it may not be up to like sort of 90 plus levels. But at the same time, you know, Irish coffee, you tasted a good Brazilian coffee. And then I, we, we were thinking, and like, could we do that? But obviously, the competition and so forth. And I guess sous-veeing sous is a bit of a craze at the moment as well. One of our baristas yeah. loves sous-veeing all their meat, um, which is actually his machine. Yeah. And it 
it got us thinking about other applications of it. Um, so the reason I chose 77 degrees is eight, 75 degrees apricots break up. Right. About 77 degrees is they break up sufficiently, but not too much. Right. So that's very cool, man. I mean, is that something you think you'll build on in the future? I think it's another element. Um, there's, there's so many bits of kit out there that do different things. I'd love to do work with centrifuges. I've never watched yeah, They just yeah, look sure. cool. I don't know. Right? Um, I'll add to that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's just another interesting thing. And it, it's something you can maintain. We're all about maintaining weights and shot times and everything else. And why are we not doing everything like that? Makes perfect sense. sense. Yeah. Um, behind every competition, there's obviously lots of people yeah. who've helped you to get to this point. Is there anybody want to thank on the stream? Thank who are here today. Uh, yeah, obviously all my friends and family that came down and uh, sat through routines and did all that kind of stuff, stirred milk drinks that they didn't know or couldn't drink or whatever. Dan Fellows, uh, he, he obviously travels. Who? Dan Fellows, Who? the longest reigning non-consecutive barista champion <laughs> of the UK. Um, He's holding on to that yeah. one, isn't he? Like, 16, on. 16 months and counting. <laughs> um, I got in trouble because I said he's a bad carrier in Budapest, but obviously he, he does a lot more. He's, he's fantastic and uh, he truly is. And obviously Will Pitts, uh, top competitor, and it's over the moon for him to do his routine and it went awesomely, so that was great. And obviously everyone at Origin that I said thank you to before. Um, it's, it's a team effort and it's kind of times at the end that you kind of realise that more and more. Well, it's absolutely fantastic to see your performance Thank today. You. It's great to see you up here in the finals. Yeah. Please, big round of applause. Thank you very much. Cheers, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was, that was fun. Like, I, I like the whole sous vide. And I actually, I didn't mind the geisha. Really? It was all right. We've got that recorded, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it was really delicious. No. I thought the geisha was okay. It was very. No, it was good. It was, it was great. Good. Three very different too. routines as well so far. I think there's been a nice spread. So it's and very three very different approaches. You can tell as well. Three very different coffees as well. Yeah, well, that was the first examples of a true competition coffee, really, isn't it? Which, I mean, it's good to see the diversity opening up for sure. Which, which in this climate is also a bit of a risk sometimes as well, because like I think I respect that about Paul is that like he loves skaters, he loves naturals, he's like that's why I chose it. Yeah. Whereas like because of the kickback from some quarters lately, <laughs> you can uh, you can understand how people would probably not go with a geisha because the thing about touristic competitions is that if you look to what happened the previous year and base your routine on that, you're dead in the water. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You need to do something different, you know, because it's been so geisha heavy lately. It's, it's a bit of a risk, but at the same time, you need some risk somewhere, so. Yeah, if you're doing it for the right reasons, for sure, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that coffee in the Origin stores after this, too, so that's another kind of yeah. um, angle. Paul yeah. spoke a little about contexts um, in coffee, which is a really important thing, and I know you've worked in different countries in uh, serving coffees and espressos, and you've worked in France, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I know my stuff. And um, it, Jen like, knows her stuff and tells him what to say. That's... Uh, and like how different is it to like is the execution of a, of a good let's say specialty coffee barista is it the same the world over or do you take different approaches how important is context and what you're doing I really think linguistically a lot changes when you move countries um, particularly if the country that you move to is not speaking the same language so I mean each each country has its own heritage yep. in, in beverages what was that uh, yep yep I'm just saying yep, yep. Um, 
so every country that you go to has its own heritage and the beverages they drink. We as a nation are a tea drinking nation and so our, our backdrop to coffee is instant granulated. But the French, you know, it's the only context I can speak from which is different to the UK, I guess, is um, they have this incredibly, they're incredibly proud of their coffee culture um, and all the lexicon that comes with that. So there's a, yeah, they expect a, a certain type of drink because it's a brasserie culture, it's a terrace culture and you don't ever look at a menu, you arrive and you sit outside a waiter comes to you and you, you have your words that you use for an allongé, which is an American Americano style or a long black, whatever we want to call it, right? So this whole thing. Um, so in Paris in particular, there's, a very, there's been a real influx in the past couple of years of specialty coffee shops that have come up. And there's been a real sort of clash in the way that people, uh, what, they, what they expect is a drink because you're, they already have an ingrained coffee culture that you're really going against. Also in the, the terminology as well, often in specialty coffee shops, they're not using French terminology as well. So linguistically, it's an, they're faced with an English language version and then will receive something that they're also not expecting based on what is inherent in there. I think we also have like, a, uh, we have a chain education of what specialty coffee is, if right. that makes sense, where, you know, Starbucks and Costa have told us what to say when we go into a specialty coffee shop. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whereas um, I've certainly seen it from spending more time uh, in Sweden where that is very different. The actual education level is completely in a different place. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a shop, last time I was in France with you, what was that shop that I did the cupping at before you? Oh, um, you went to Lustig, the smaller one. Yes, yeah. yeah. And um, he had an interesting perspective around the whole flat white um, scenario, but he, so he calls it Café Creme because he encountered, um, generally speaking with his consumers, flat whites were so associated with Starbucks and, and the more commodity trade that it actually kind of went back on itself. So inst in, in, instead of being a, uh, you know, a buzzword for the specialty industry like it is here, over there it actually kind of goes back on itself and is more detrimental. So, and he was very you know, stoic about that. Yeah. I asked him, I was like, flat white please mate? And he was like, we're in France now, it's Café Creme. I'm just right. like, oh. But that, based, that was purely based on his experience with his consumer, so I totally respect it, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. Yeah, and, and Stephen, how is it in Sweden in that respect? Is it the, the, the terminology that people are able to use in specialty coffee shops, is that already a lexicon that they as a nation are using? It's, it's, I mean, it, it is, there's, I mean, there's, there's an actual, most people will have a good understanding of coffee, you know, far higher than the understanding that you get from the general punter in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, the very highest specialty is a lot less. So we have a, I think we have a thriving community here in, you know, the UK and Ireland. So I included you in. Um, we have a, th a thriving coffee community here that is, the specialty end I think is much bigger and much higher, but the actual base level, um, you know, yeah. the, you can buy good coffee from a 7-Eleven. Like coffee I can actually drink, which I cannot do in this country. Um, yeah. So I, I think the, the general standard is higher, but the highest level is not so much there. In context, do, do you find also, with drop and has been, is there instances where you can source the same coffee and, and, and it fulfills the same brief? Rarely. Really, yeah, okay. uh, rarely, and that's just because Joanna's very awkward and won't have any of the good coffees. She only wants the bad ones. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it is, there is some crossover there, and we do work on collaborations uh, with, with you know, different farms when that is right. But also there's a much bigger focus on Africa, which is somewhere that I'm learning to source in a lot more now. Right. So, um, you know, Kenya and Ethiopia, my two newest, I don't hate the word, but, you know, the relationships 
um, that, that I'm working in, and they're much harder. So there isn't really the same opportunity to collaborate in those countries. Sure. Do you think these preferences for origin in different demographics is a result of conditioning, or is it an excess over time? I, th I think it, it comes down to business owners. Sure. I think there's. A, I don't think it's necessarily a, a cultural. A, you know that, I or mean, something inherent the in the in this actual flavour. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, Sirian, how is it in the Netherlands with that kind of the language um, in the way that we speak about coffee? Well, I think it's probably somewhat similar to the UK in the sense that everybody's used to drinking uh, filter coffee at home. Um, and then when you go out, you have an espresso or a cappuccino uh, and you don't drink filter coffee outside of the house. Um, Funnily enough, in the Netherlands, you also have café crème, but then that's a filter coffee with crema on top. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> which is something completely different again. Um, which comes from the whole idea in the Netherlands that when you go out, you drink something espresso-based. So you want something with a crema because a crema is a good coffee. Um, so you need a filter coffee with a crema on top, which is machine coffee. Uh, so, so that's that's the whole different isn't game the, again. Isn't the, the Longo quite a popular drink? In Longo is yeah, very popular. I remember working a trade show in Amsterdam and, and everybody asking for a Longo, Just, yeah. and you're like, what's a Longo? Just a coffee. Well, that's a Longo, basically. Yeah, yeah. And what is coffee like in Ireland? <laughs> uh, I don't know. If it, well, like, well, obviously it's got whiskey. And it doesn't. Um, I wonder, is it like, it, like, do you notice much of a difference? between Ireland and the UK? I, I find the cultures uh, incredibly close. As much as you try to be opposite, I yeah. think there's lots of... But the, the, the similarities in the context of coffee, for sure. I think it, it's a little... And I think we're really lucky here in the UK that actually the, the industry is really quite developed compared to a lot of other places. But I've seen such growth in the past four or five years, in, in particularly in Dublin, but even in outlying towns of Ireland where you've seen a real growth in people wanting to experience that specialty coffee experience. Yeah. Co coffee in Ireland seems to be very much more, well, cafes associated with the food offering too uh, from, from the beginning. Is that true? I, I think it definitely in the last two years that's happened a lot. Uh, I think if, like if you, it's something Ireland, well, doesn't traditionally, or it did have a very strong food culture and then didn't. Uh, for 800 years, and then uh, it's come back. I'm again. sorry. So even, like we have a we have a very thriving cheese industry, but our cheese industry is 30 years old. Right. Um, and we, uh, so it's it's developing quite fast now. So when you think about Irish food and Irish drinks and Irish service and hospitality, the one example that we have that we that has become famous around the world is the pub. Mm. Yeah. And that's something. So you have to like pull apart what is the pub about. So why why isn't there why is there Irish pubs everywhere the way there's Italian restaurants, you know? And what, to me, what that's about is, is, the, is the kind of the everyman aspect to it, or every woman, is that you go in, so you could have, you know, an investment banker comes in beside a nurse, beside a brickie, and everybody gets treated the same, everybody gets the same price, everybody gets the same service. And that engagement is what I feel that Irish bar has done really well. So... I see that coming through Irish coffee shops and that they're, they're heavily kind of leveraged on engagement and on, on atmosphere and on, on customer kind of interaction. And the most successful ones in Ireland 
in specialty coffee, these are the ones that are the most engaging. And I think that's w one aspect that I think that, that they do very well on. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's something that I think, sorry, Steve, yeah. in the UK has taken a little longer to kind of latch on to. It kind of leapfrogged into a very academic coffee downward-looking approach into something that's just slowly evolving into a more holistic... Well, I think that's, that's one difference that I do notice, but I think in the UK that... that the, I don't know, there, there is a bit more formality to things, you know? Like, and and I think true. that is reflected in the coffee shops and in the service as well, which isn't a bad thing, it's just different. Uh, yeah. And I think it's the small things that you notice. Like, if you go to Australia, I remember going to Melbourne and I ordered a, a flat white and the guy put it down, he put, his lid, he put the lid on it for me and handed it to me. And I'm like, did you just put my lid on? And he's <laughs> like, what, well, did you want sugar? I was like, no. I put my lid on. You don't put my lid on. You know? Right, that's it's interesting. Like, yeah. it's, a really, it's a little small thing, but it's those little tiny things that you notice the differences about. Yeah. I think what's really funny as well is that we're talking currently about culture and how specialty coffee fits into that. Um, and what I've noticed is that we as a culture, when we plant ourselves into different countries as the communities grow across the world, we have, a, as an industry, have a tendency to not really involve ourselves in the cultures that we plant ourselves into, particularly through the food, which is the closest kind of cultural link that we have for an offering. And um, so from, from Paris, for example, you mentioned the Irish pub, right? So that's a, that's a worldwide phenomenon. Um, I'm sure you can get it in pretty much every country in the world. But the, on the flip side of that, with the specialty coffee cafe, is with the, the kind of the culture that we've created, what I have seen is that we kind of go in and then there's very, very little link to the cultural heritage. And that really happened for me in France is where I realized that I was going in to expose brickwork cafes, very slicked back, things that I expected from the, from the culture that I was part of in coffee. But then with the food offering, I was seeing banana breads and avocado toast and things like that. And I was thinking, you know, we're in the, we're in the home of pastry yeah. here. And where is, the, the, where well, is mean, the cultural link back? That's the criticism, I suppose, around how homogenous maybe the industry is perceived at mm. times and I think it comes from people adopting you know efficient mechanisms from you know other parts of the world that are developed like Australia or whatever right. um, and in order to be successful maybe it's kind of understood that you have to do this this and this and like a direct cut copy of that yeah with it but but yeah I mean it's yet to be shown if you can really assimilate culture and 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 be you know s symbolic of all the independent specialty values too. Mm. Uh, it's probably got something to do with the fact that people are fundamentally open businesses to to um, you know exhibit or be an exhibition for coffee, where I think maybe the the ones that do it best realise from the get go that it's actually not really about the coffee; it's more about the space. Right. Yeah. Great conversation. It's been lots of fun. Uh, we should uh, take a little break. Before we do do that, I'd like to thank our title partner, uh, VA uh, Machinery, who are our title sponsors and are at the back over there. So if you guys want to go and speak to them about what they're up to, what they're doing, please go say hi to them. Um, but yeah, big thanks to them for letting us uh, be able to put this on. Um, so yeah, we'll be back in five minutes with our, well, maybe 10 minutes because he's not setting up yet with our next competitor. Uh, Mr. Dale Harris. Ooh. Ooh.